I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good Sunday morning. Rashini Rajkumar here along with Dr. David Hilden. And we have quite a show for you. As many of you know, February is Heart Month. And today we will focus on heart health. And Doctor, I think often because of all the headlines with COVID, uh, some other health conditions get overlooked and heart disease is the biggest killer of men and women. You're right, Rashini, and uh, good morning to you and good morning to everybody. You're right, it is um, Heart Month and heart disease remains and has been for a long time and remains and likely will still be the leading uh, condition that people ought to know about. It is, uh, it is, as you've said, the leading cause of death in this country. And so uh, we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about your heart. Uh, There's even some connections with COVID, but we're not going to just focus on that. Uh, We're going to talk about your heart and anything that might be on your mind about that if you want to ask questions about it. So we'll get to that shortly with my guest, whom I'll introduce uh, uh, now. Her name is Michelle Carlson. She is a a cardiologist at Hennepin. So in just a few minutes, we will be getting to Dr. Carlson, and you can ask her your questions, and uh, we'll have a great conversation about your heart today. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because no matter the age, your heart is so important. And so phone and text lines are open, folks, 651-989-9226. And I know we're already getting some texts about COVID, which possibly we'll be able to get to at the end of the show, but we really do want to focus on heart health today because this is such an important organ. The the possible diseases surrounding your heart are so many. And I think also what can be scary, Dr. Hilden, is often people don't really recognize the symptoms that they may be having a heart attack. Exactly. They don't. And sometimes, you know, everybody knows what it, you know, you've, you've seen TV shows or whatever, and you've seen somebody grabbing their chest and, and they they have this crushing chest pain and they go to the ground and they look like they're in agony and their left arm might hurt or, and it's very classic looking. That does happen. That does happen to some people that you have a heart attack and it looks like it does on TV. But there are loads of other symptoms of heart disease. Some of them are quite subtle. Some of them are quite um, difficult to pick up. And you might you might not realize that, gee, you just have a little queasy stomach and a little bit of uh, 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 a funny feeling in your upper belly and lower chest. And, you, you know, so there's just all kinds of different symptoms. And that's just of a heart attack. We're also going to talk about today, we're going to talk about ways to prevent heart disease. And although nothing in medicine is a sure thing, there are ways that you can stay heart healthy. And there are ways that you can, there are things you can do 
to maintain a healthy heart in your day-to-day life before it ever gets to those uh, more serious uh, consequences. So we'll be talking about preventive cardiology as well. Dr. Hilden, I remember last week on our open phone show that someone asked, he was a seasoned runner, but it was so cold last weekend, and he asked if running in that kind of cold is bad for the heart. That was a really distinct question for me. Remind people how weather affects the heart. Yeah, I I've, I actually one time about 15 years ago, I don't know, 10 years ago, I was running and had chest pain and some of my cardiology colleagues helped me to figure out that no, it indeed was not my heart. Um, but uh, uh, that was a big question. We'll ask Dr. Carlson that um, when we when she gets on, on, the, on the show. But in general, um, I wouldn't if you don't, if you're not a runner, I wouldn't go out when it's five degrees below zero and try to run 20 miles. But if you are a runner and you're in shape and, and you want to exercise outside, your heart should be able to handle running in the cold. You know, what you need to do is just dress for the conditions. You need to wear layers and to be able to shed layers if you're getting too hot or make sure you don't get too cold. So it's, it's more about uh, issues like that, not whether or not your heart can, can handle it. But I'm going to ask Dr. Carlson that because that, that came up last week and I didn't have the greatest answer for that, uh, that listener about running in the cold. What is interesting, you and I are both runners, and I learned early on as I was getting into distance running that within about six minutes, your body actually thinks it's 20 degrees warmer than the air temperature. So that is why dressing in layers is so important because you don't want to overdress, you also don't want to underdress, and then your body does acclimate. However, you do sweat, so you want to get out of those sweaty clothes fairly quickly right. after whether it's running or other, you know, snowshoeing, skiing, whatever you're doing. Did you get out this weekend, Rashini? You know, I wimped out yesterday, Doc. It was I, warm out. Uh, you know, I'm going to go today after my show later this afternoon, and uh, our team runs on Saturday mornings, and it's a hill workout on Saturdays. And when I woke up, and check the temperature. It said zero feels like minus 14. And then my husband, you know, this also played in. He was offering me blueberry pancakes, uh-huh. which I knew I couldn't really eat before going for a hill <laughs> workout. So I ended up doing a gym workout yesterday and um, ate the blueberry pancakes and did not run yesterday. But I will hmm. run today. <laughs> blueberry pancakes, warm house, go outside when it feels like 14 right. below and run. A tough choice. I did run on Friday afternoon, though. One of my running partners and I about 4.30. So the sun was out. It was still cold, but we definitely dressed for it. And there is really, as freezing as you are even, there's nothing like that feeling. It just feels so good that you got something like that done. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we've got so much heart health to get into with Dr. Michelle Carlson when we return, reminding you of the phone line 651-989- 9226. That is also the text line, so you can communicate with us in both ways. Healthy Matters, we'll be right back. We are back on Healthy Matters. Dr. David Hilden and Rashini Rajkumar, we are taking your questions on heart health today, 651-989-9226. But first, Dr. Hilden, why don't we meet our guest? Absolutely, Rashini. We are um, privileged to have Dr. Michelle Carlson join us today. She is a cardiologist at Hennepin Healthcare. I work side-by-side with her in the hospital, and she sees patients both there in our echo lab and in the clinic. She um, uh, is focused on developing uh, clinics and care for people who have both heart and 
uh, cancer, heart disease and cancer. So that's an area of cardiology called cardio-oncology. So that she helps manage your heart disease if you indeed also have cancer. She also specializes in women's cardiovascular health. And she has heart failure and cardiac imaging. So she is a busy physician. Dr. Carlson, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Hilden. Hi, Rashini. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back on the show. I know you've been back on when we were downtown in the studios. And so it's good to have you here. First of all, um, again, thanks for being here. Tell us about why it's important that we focus on the heart. And I know we're, it's February's Heart Month. Why is it even necessary that we have a, a heart month? Well, I think like most things in life, if, if it's not something that you think about regularly, you tend to forget about it. And I think as you and Oshini pointed out, heart disease is the uh, leading cause of death in the United States. And that's, um, as you said, been that way for a long time and probably going to stay that way for a long time because of the lifestyle that we live in the U.S. So I think it's really important to remind ourselves, hey, here are the symptoms that I should worry about. Here's what I can do to decrease my risk. Um, and, you know, winter, that's a hard time to, to live some of those healthy things. As you and Rashini were saying, even getting out for a walk, let alone one of your runs, can be a real, real emotional struggle. So this is an important time to be really mindful of how you take care of yourself. So before we even get on to anything else, can you help Rashini and I out? Is it safe to exercise outside to, for your heart? That's a great question. Um, so it is safe but do for, for most people, but I'm going to caveat it um, and, and give an exception, and that is it, cold weather does increase how hard your heart has to work, and that's partly because it increases your blood pressure by making your little vessels in your hands and feet tighter and so the heart has to work a little harder to pump and if you're someone who's healthy that's totally fine but if you have a heart condition for example if you have a blocked heart artery or if you have a weak heart muscle you should be really careful about how much you do in the cold weather and really listen to your body and if you feel like you're having any chest pain or shortness of breath go inside give yourself plenty of breaks I think that's good advice right there. I was trying to get at that, but I needed somebody who could say that better than me. It's like, well, I think it's safe to go running outside. At least I'm doing it. But I don't know if the, but that, that was a really a much better explanation. So you, it's, you know, listen to your body. I liked that term as well. So if, if heart disease is, is such a common thing, could you break down a little bit? What are the most common types of heart problems that people can have? Yeah. And I'm actually going to talk, I'm going to call it cardiovascular disease because I want to talk a little bit about other blood vessels besides just the blood vessels in the heart. That's I'm going a to great distinction. I'm going to start with the heart because I'm a heart doctor. That's my favorite topic. Um, so the first heart problem we worry about in the United States is heart attack. And that's where a little blood clot forms in your heart arteries and blocks the blood flow to your heart. And that those heart attack symptoms, as you said, Dr. Hilden, they can range from super crushing chest pain right in the middle of your chest where you can't breathe, all the way to more mild symptoms where you have some discomfort in your neck, your jaw, your arm, coming with some maybe some nausea, uh, and really any combination of those symptoms is possible. So that's one heart condition we worry about. Another heart condition that um, can be 
really hard on people and make it hard for them to live their daily life is called heart failure. And that's where your heart muscle doesn't pump properly, either because it's weak or because it's too stiff. And that can cause symptoms of shortness of breath. Um, especially when you try and walk or when you lie flat or can cause swelling in your legs. So if you have those symptoms, you should talk to your doctor. See if you need to have an, an echo of your heart. Another one of my favorite things, an ultrasound to look at the squeezing function and, and understand more about your heart health that way. Then the other condition I want to talk about is called stroke. And that's like, I think of it as a heart attack in your brain and my heart heart world that's where you have a little clot in your blood vessel to your brain that blocks part of the flow. And um, symptoms that you should look for that would make you think about a stroke would be numbness or weakness on one side of the body or a sudden change in your vision or a sudden inability to speak normally. Those would be signs that you might be having a stroke and that you should call 911. So these things are really common. Are there are there like a few top tips that people can do um, from uh, from your perspective to reduce their risk of having these heart and cardiovascular conditions? Yes, and I will say that a lot of my top tips you can do without even going to see a doctor. Although a doctor might be able to help you understand why they're helpful or give you tools or or tricks. The first thing, if you're a smoker, stop smoking. If you chew tobacco, stop chewing tobacco that hugely increases your risk of of these problems, especially a stroke or a heart attack. The next thing, be active. Um, And, you know, I'm not even talking about going for a five-mile run here. I'm just talking about going for a 30-minute walk every day. Moving your body can improve things like blood pressure and the, the health of your vessels and decrease your risk of a heart attack or stroke. The next thing, get a healthy diet. And what does that look like? We know a couple diets that decrease the risk of heart disease, and those are a Mediterranean diet, so like a diet that you might eat if you lived in Greece, or um, a diet that's really low in, in meats. So a vegetarian diet can actually be very heart healthy. Um, I'll caveat that with If you're just eating white carbohydrates, that's not a healthy vegetarian diet. When I say vegetarian diet, I mean a diet that's really full of vegetables. Oh, good um, grief. We have to eat our vegetables? I know. It's really rough, but it's good for you, (laughs) Dr. Hilton. All right, um, I'm going to so jump in and get let's let's get to a real quick text before we have to go to break. We have callers waiting. We'll get to them as soon as we get back from break. Here's a question from a listener. I have high blood pressure. Is coffee bad for me now? That's a great question. Um, I recommend that it is okay to have a cup or two cups of coffee if you have high blood pressure. Um, I think more than that is more likely to cause irritability and, and can cause fast heart rate in some people. But one or two cups of coffee is not going to be a, a big, not going to have a big effect on your blood pressure. All right. That's a relief for all those coffee drinkers out there. (laughs) You are listening to Healthy Matters. Dr. Michelle Carlson, who is a rock star in cardiology, read her bio. Dr. Hilden tweeted it at Dr. David Hilden. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of your calls and texts, 651-989-9226.
are back. Healthy Matters, Dr. David Hilden, Shini Rajkumar, and our special guest cardiologist, Dr. Michelle Carlson. We're taking your calls and texts, 651-989-9226, as we focus on February and Heart Month. Let's start with John, who's calling from Malacca. Hello, John. Good morning, Rashini. Dr. Hilden, I want you to know I've listened to this show since its inception, so thank you. Well, thank you for listening. You're one of our, our inaugural listeners. I appreciate that so much. Yes. Now, Dr. Carlson, I am a 67-year-old with a 20-year history of type 2 non-insulin-dependent diabetes mellitus. Most recent A1C was 6.9. I don't smoke. I eat a carb-controlled diet, and I exercise daily. On the 8th of January this year, I had an echocardiogram. Now, I haven't heard from the cardiologist yet, but I do have the report, and I'm going to tell you what was on it and ask your opinion. The report says a left ventricular systolic failure, left ventricle decreased in size, wall motion hypokinetic, and an ejection fraction of 45 to 50%. So can you tell me what this is and what can be done about it? That's a good question, John. I would, first of all, encourage you to make an appointment with your doctor to talk with him or her about about those results and what they mean for you and your your health um, without, you know, knowing your everything detail about you. I can't comment exactly, but I would be concerned uh, about that statement that you're, that sounds like your heart muscle is a little bit weak. And I would want you to talk to your doctor about that and why that might've happened and what you can do about it. Does um, that, can, can I just jump in there, uh, Michelle? Does, uh, when, when you said it's a little bit weak, is that um, uh, you know, his number was 45, and, and I agree with you 100%, John. We can't comment specifically on your individual results. But is that – can you talk a little bit about the what, what heart failure is? Yeah. I, I'm not, we're yeah. not – and, I, again, I do not want to suggest that John has this, but what is heart failure? So it's a combination of a weak heart muscle and symptoms. So um, when, when I say oh, – the decreased squeeze, normal, we would like it to be more than 50%. So it sounds like the report for John's heart sounds like the squeeze is a little lower than that. We don't know about symptoms that he's having um, or other details of his, of, of his life, but that's something that you should talk about with your doctor. And those are things that are manageable, so I would agree with yeah. that. I would agree with yeah. that. You get You should go see your doctor about that. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Peggy is on from Bloomington. Good morning, Peggy. Good morning. I have a question. I don't have heart issues, but I have um, a severe pain in my sternum when I walk, when I walk uphill. When I walk straight, I can walk pretty fast. When I go uphill right away, it's like so painful. I'm wondering what is it? I've had a, I've gone to a cardiologist. I've had a stress test. I've had an angiogram. They say it's not your heart, but they can't tell me what it is. So I hesitate to walk fast up hills because of that reason. So I'm wondering if you know what it is and what I can do to prevent that. Mm. Another good question. 
Um, so, you know, it, if sounds like you've already seen a heart doctor in person and they've done some tests that sound like a good test to make sure that there isn't um, a, a problem with your heart. So I would take that as, as a reassuring thing that um, what's happening, it sounds really uncomfortable and irritating, but maybe feel reassured that it, it doesn't sound like it's dangerous. Um, it's very hard for me to give advice, Peggy, about how to prevent that from happening because I, I don't know exactly what the cause of that is. Um, I, I don't want to tell you not to exercise <laughs> or walk uphill because I think that's, that's really good exercise for you. I, I would encourage you to talk to your doctor more about, about what they think is safe for you to do and whether there's anything, any other testing they think you need to, to understand why that pain is happening. You know, and these questions, doctors, really point out how individual each person's heart is. Even though, you know, you've seen a lot and diagnosed a lot of people, each person is still an individual with individual characteristics and uh, symptoms, correct? That's exactly right, Rashini. And and we see that with, as we've talked about with heart disease, everyone has a different set of symptoms. And it's it's important for you to listen to your body and say, this is not normal for me and talk to your doctor about that. All right, Judy is on the line. Hello, Judy from Minneapolis. Husband is 80 and he has uh, heart issues. He's at Metropolol, but he's sleeping most of the day and evening and also has hallucinations. I was wondering what your opinion might be of the relationship. Judy, that's a great question. Every medication that we use in medicine can have side effects. Um, I would guess that your husband might be on more than just the metoprolol, but I would like, I know I sound like a broken record here, I'd like you to have him talk to his doctor about whether the medications he's on could be contributing to his symptoms or if there's another another cause that that you should worry about. Dr. Carlson, what is metoprolol? I mean, in general, not in this specific yeah, case. What does it do? Yeah. So it's a medication that lowers the blood pressure. So we sometimes use it for high blood pressure. It also controls heart rate. So sometimes we use it for fast heart rhythm. And it also decreases how hard the heart has to work. So sometimes we use it when the heart muscle is weak. It's, it's a medication that can be very useful, but like every pill, can have side effects. All right. Lori is on the line from Hutchinson. Good morning, Lori. Hi. Uh, does, uh, can you explain to me how does, and if it does, ischemic heart disease relate to high blood pressure and a massive stroke? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good question, Lori. Um, so, Ischemic heart disease is blockages in the heart arteries, and sometimes when someone has high blood pressure for a long time, that can increase the risk of those blockages happening because of the the changes in the vessel, in the walls of the arteries. Those same changes, that same kind of disease can happen in the arteries of the brain. So I think of um, a stroke as a heart attack in the brain. so the high blood pressure can be a risk factor both for the ischemic heart disease and for a massive stroke. All right, we're going to go back to the phone lines, but let's take a real quick text. Can you overdose on blood pressure meds? Yes, you can. 
So you should only take your blood pressure medication as prescribed by your doctor. Don't take extra doses, even if you think your blood pressure is too high. Talk to your doctor about whether um, you need to increase your dose or try something different. And please keep your medications out of the reach of children. Dr. Carlson, is it possible, you know, many people are on more than one blood pressure medicine, and, and over the last 13 years of the show, that's a relatively common question I get from people. They're asking me, not about overdose so much, but, but more about, should I really be on two or three, four pills? Could you comment about sometimes the need for more than one blood pressure medication? Yeah, you know, sometimes one one pill just isn't enough. Different blood pressure pills work in different ways, and sometimes you need to control multiple um, systems in the body to, to keep the blood pressure at a safe and healthy level. Um, you know, your, both your doctor and your pharmacist who's dispensing the medication are going to be looking through those pills, making sure there's not dangerous interactions and making sure that they're safe to take together. But if you have symptoms after you start a new medication, you should talk to your doctor to make sure that the pill isn't the cause of those symptoms. All right, we have just a couple minutes before we have to take a break, but let's try to get Roger in. Roger is calling from Waverly. Good morning. Good morning, doctors. Yes, I have a question. I'm a 75-year-old male. Um, I had open-heart surgery back in April. I had uh, three blocked arteries. They uh, replaced two of the arteries, and one, they said, had made enough capillaries to, they didn't need to do that. It all started out, I had edema in my ankles, and I brought that to the attention of my doctor. And we did a couple appointments and finally ended up at App Northwestern and had the surgery. And now, just in the last month, I've started to have some edema happening again in my ankles. I'm wondering, you know, I'm on meds. My blood pressure is regulated with metropola, and uh, I, I have both uh, arthritis, uh, so I'm on Celebrex, and uh, uh, I take an aspirin a day, and I'm wondering, is there a reason why I should be getting the, this uh, swelling in my ankles again? So I would um, talk to your doctor about that. There could be several reasons that you might see swelling in your ankles, and it could be anything from the the veins aren't working as well as they used to before you had the surgery, and, and that would be a pretty benign problem, all the way to the scary possibility of maybe the heart isn't working as well as it's supposed to right now. So I think you did the right thing telling your doctor about it the first time, tell your doctor again and get that checked out. All right, Dr. Hilden, Dr. Carlson, we have more calls and texts for both of you. We will continue our focus on heart health. When Healthy Matters returns, you can get in your final calls and texts, 651-989-9226. Before we have to tell all of you goodbye this morning, so I'll ask all our callers to please keep your questions tight. We want to get through as many calls and texts today with Dr. Michelle Carlson and Dr. David Hilden on Healthy Matters. Let's go to Lyle in Northwood. Good morning, Lyle. 
That's Norwood. Uh, anyway, I've had two heart attacks. I'm a type 2 diabetic, and the thing that I've never heard talked enough about is the fact that you don't always feel the heart attack. It's not the chest-grabbing uh, thing. In both cases, I didn't know I was having a heart attack. The first one, it was six months before it was even uh, caught with a, a stress test. The second one, yeah, that one kept getting worse, uh, getting weaker and shorter of breath and, and that, but I had only the mildest symptoms, so I didn't connect it with a heart attack. And neither did the urgent care I went to. They sent me home with GERD. And the next day I went into an ER because I was worse again, and they caught it with the enzyme and uh, EKG. That's an excellent point, Lyle. I don't know that I need to add much to what you said. I think I, I will point out that if you've had diabetes for a long time or kidney problems for a long time, sometimes you have even even fewer symptoms than the typical person. So keep your your heart antennae up. All right, let's go to Mary in Woodbury. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. I'm calling because I wanted to know a little bit about uh, pacemakers. Um, if you have a pacemaker and you're still at 40%, would you recommend having the bilateral pacemaker to help what is your opinion on bilateral pacemakers? Thanks for your question, Mary. So usually the the biventricular pacemaker is something that we can only offer if someone's ejection fraction is less than 35%. Um, so I would talk, if someone's recommended that to you, talk to them and, and understand why they're recommending it and to think about if it if it's right for you. But in someone whose heart muscle is really weak, that can sometimes help improve their squeezing function. All right, let's go to Bob in Hackensack. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, <clears throat> I have an interesting case of where I was 17 years old and I was having very high blood pressure. I have a nosebleed every day and uh, my heartbeat was 100 beats per minute, just sitting still, and uh, I ran halfway around the football field in uh, my senior year, and I got chest pains, and uh, and I was wondering what was going on, and I read Reader's Digest, and it said, cholesterol, a newly discovered culprit in heart disease, and I said, there's my problem, why didn't the doctor tell me that? Anyway, I laid off all saturated fats, all meat, all butter, all that, and everything gradually returned to normal. And my blood pressure now is uh, normal, 115 over 80, and uh, I can run for miles, and I'm 85 years old, and uh, maybe you can, and my dad said, uh, you're a damn fool if you throw that fat away from that meat. And I said, you go ahead and eat it yourself. He says, All right, well, let the doctor get in there because we are really running tight on I time. I could just hear your dad saying you're cutting <laughs> off the best part of the meat, Bob. <laughs> All right, any comments there before we move on? You Dr. know, I, I can't. I'm not sure what happened to Bob when he was 17, but I'm glad that he was able to make some changes and live what sounds like a really long, healthy life. That's really good. All right. Let's go to Phyllis and Phyllis in New Richmond. I just ask that you keep your question tight. 
Uh, good morning. Um, I'm going to be coming. I, I'm on Zeralto, and I have a colonoscopy coming up. Uh, the colonoscopy paperwork said to hold off the Zeralto for seven days. Then I did call my uh, cardiologist, and they said three days. I was just wondering if you could give me any symptoms I should be watching for in those three days that I'm off the Zorelto. And if I feel any of those symptoms, should I take the Zorelto immediately? That's a good question. So Zorelto is a blood thinner, and it's a good idea to stop it a few days before your colonoscopy so that you don't bleed during the procedure. Usually we don't use a blood thinner because of symptoms that you're having, but to perhaps decrease the risk of stroke or a blood clot forming. Um, if you have symptoms of, of a stroke, as I talked about earlier, I wouldn't take the Xarelto. I would go to the, I would call 911 and, and get taken to the emergency room that way. But I wouldn't start the Xarelto again. All right, doctors, we've got about two minutes before we have to say goodbye to Dr. Carlson and close out here. Let me get through, we'll kind of do a fire round through some of these texts. What is GFR? Mine is 26. So that's glomerular filtration rate, and that is a measure of your kidney function. This person says, I'm on a blood thinner. Does that really prevent stroke with ischemia and AFib? That's a great question. Nothing we can do can make your risk of stroke go to zero, but the blood thinner can decrease your risk of stroke. Dr. Carlson, is a baby aspirin a day still commonly prescribed as it was a decade ago? No, it's not. We have, we, as we have other treatments and lifestyle changes to decrease your risk of heart attack, there's a lot of folks now where the risk of taking a baby aspirin, the risk of bleeding is higher than the benefit. So talk to your doctor before you start taking a baby aspirin every day to decide is it right for you or not. Here's an interesting one. Can keeping my house cool in winter, 64, raise my blood pressure? Uh, so as I said, a really cold temperature can raise your blood pressure. I don't think 64 degrees would do it. I couldn't wait to hear that answer. No. <laughs> I was going to say, I want to hear what she has to say on this one. Every week there's kind of like a question that always yeah. becomes my favorite, and that's the one this week. I love the home heating question. It's a great question, though. Very good. All right, <laughs> we'll take this as a really quick last text. What causes inflammation of the small blood vessels in the legs? Boy, all sorts of things. Um, uh, things from uh, rheumatologic problems with with your body, autoimmune problems with your body. Uh, to usually, it's the body not responding appropriately to some sort of uh, of stimulus, and that results in, in inflammation in the in the arteries or the veins. All right, so many great questions today. And uh, Dr. Hilden, I guess we'll have to say goodbye to Dr. Carlson and close out the show. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I attend on the inpatient services, and Dr. Carlson comes to help teach me and teach the, the teams that I work with. So I want to thank you, Michelle, for coming on the show. We, had a bit, we kept you working today. We kept you on your toes. Thank you so much for being on the show with us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And we'll definitely have, a, have her back. 
Absolutely. We'll have Dr. Carlson back. The heart heart is so common and there's so many issues with it. We can only cover so much, but I think we've covered a lot today. So um, happy heart month, everybody. Absolutely. And we didn't get to everyone's calls and texts today. Of course, next week is open line. So remember the number 651-989-9226. Dr. Hilden and I will be back from 7 to 8 a.m. on Healthy Matters. You can also reach him during the week on Twitter, Dr. David Hilden. Follow him there directly communicate with him there. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.